it's always difficult because you're trying to judge what is um out there on the internet, not not necessarily what is. Oh, sorry. Uh, can I have a chamomile tea, please? Chamomile tea, please. <laughs> oh my god! He he bleeds chamomile tea. Can't be having caffeine. Um. Ho ho ho! Hello everyone! Merry Christmas and welcome to the Co-Conspirators Podcast Christmas Special. I'm your host Callum, and joining me, as always, are my co-hosts John. Hi everyone. And Luke. Seasons greetings. Very nice. Happy holidays, to be politically correct. But <laughs> as you can probably guess from the title, this episode will take a deep dive into the darker side of one of the world's biggest holidays. Originally created by Christians to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, it has since evolved into a staple of Western culture, celebrating a time where families come together, exchange gifts, eat, drink, and be merry. Skeptics may argue that consumerism has soured the original meaning behind the holiday, encouraging people to spend more and more each year, forgetting those less fortunate than themselves. Regardless, Christmas likely introduced many of our listeners to their very first conspiracy theory, that being the existence of Father Christmas, or Santa Claus for our listeners across the pond. When you say that's a conspiracy, I take it you just mean he's not from the North Pole, he's actually from Finland, right? He <laughs> I wasn't exactly exists. where I was going. If you want to explain a little bit further, feel free. I mean, he just exists, like... <laughs> Seen him, mate. Saw him down at a shopping centre the other day. He's <laughs> grow. I have to be fair, I've, I've seen many, many... He's the same guy, he's a time traveller. So he got many wormholes that allow him to deliver the presents all across the world. Or is it just a team? It's another theory I thought was quite interesting. Santa's not one man, it's a people. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one that he wears red because of Coca-Cola. Like, it was always traditionally blue, but Coca-Cola like made him red to fit in with their brand. Yeah. I've heard that, the um, like, association with Santa and Coca-Cola. I've never made any connection. Yeah. But... I think that is the reason he's actually red. Although saying that, um, St. Nick, who is Santa Claus, is Turkish and Turkey is a very red favourable country, so could be the reason he's just exploring mm. his Turkish roots. Mm. I never knew Saint Nick was Turkish. You learn something new Saint every day. Saint Nicholas is Turkish, but Santa, the original Santa's like I think it's Dutch. German. Yeah, one of those countries. Yeah, it's like Saint George, a patron saint of England, is uh, from Syria. He's a Syrian refugee. God, I tell you what, some of the uh, EDL lot would not be happy to find. <laughs> no. The thing is, they definitely don't know that either. <laughs> no, no way. So, going back to Father Christmas, so overlooking the child protection issues associated with a large bearded man who <laughs> himself into children's bedrooms to deliver presents, there are so many holes in this so-called official narrative. How does one man visit every single house on the planet in just one night? How does he do this while riding a magic sleigh led by a team of reindeer? Does he pay his army of elf helpers? How does he decide who's been naughty and who's been nice? And are the government in on this? All of these questions and more were sure to have plagued many a young conspiracy theorist, especially when their parents stick to the story that Father Christmas is behind the sudden upturn in Amazon deliveries during the month of December. So sorry to any Santa deniers out there. I think the jury's still out on St. Nick and he lives to fight another day. <laughs> so kicking off this episode with what I believe could be a whistle-stop tour of every single conspiracy theory we've ever discussed in this podcast is Luke with his festive offering. Now, like Callum, Christmas for me is the best time of the year. It's the main holiday here in the UK and everything about it excites me. I love the music. I love the films, except it's a wonderful life. I love the excitement leading up to it. I love spending time with family. I love the games. And as an adult, I love the time off work. Also, despite our reputation for bad food on this island, I also have to say I struggle to think of a better meal than a British Christmas dinner. Everything yeah, about yeah. the holiday 
is great for me. Christmas is the holy grail. Combination of everything comes together to create such a fantastic event. So that's what I try to do with my theory today. I've picked one that relates to Christmas and also brings in some of the most infamous conspiracies known to man. In somewhat a co-conspirators podcast 2020 wrap, here's your North Korean coronavirus Trump vaccine Christmas conspiracy. <laughs> now that is a mouthful. I'm very excited to hear it. So for the origins of our story, let's go back in time a bit to December the 5th, 2019. A time when life was a little bit different to it is now. We were more than likely blasting a bit of one last Christmas and counting down the days until we were off work for the rest of the year. Looking forward to heading back to my hometown to spend time with my family and of course head down the pub with my two co-hosts for a few naughty pints. Very naughty. Something that we've uh, sadly not had the luxury of doing recently. Unless you're John, of course. (laughs) (laughs) In less important news at the time, Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un were, of course, in the midst of talks about the aptly named Rocket Man reverting to more of a tiny dancer role and laying his <laughs> missile arsenal to rest. Talks had, however, stagnated at this point, nor Korea looking unlikely to settle. And then, on the 5th of December, Kim Jong-un said he would have a Christmas gift for the US. He also stated it was entirely up to the US what Christmas gift it will select to get. Santa Kim was clearly yet to decide whether the USA had been naughty or nice, and he would definitely be checking his list twice once he had done. <laughs> For if the USA were to give uh, North Korea a favourable deal, they would receive gifts extraordinaire. On the other hand, if they were to be naughty, they would be punished accordingly. Now, I'm not going to claim to be an international relations expert, but uh, in the days that were to come after that, from a North Korean perspective, America had definitely been naughty. So, what was the punishment to be? A nuke, a smack bottom, using their, <laughs> using their top hackers to hack the FBI. Well, actually, Christmas Day came and nothing actually materialised. Or did it? Ooh. <laughs> so Japanese officials reported strange missiles being fired by North Korea on Christmas Day, but actually quickly retracted this the same day. I found this quite weird why they do this. Maybe it was just not to worry the uh, American public and Japanese public on Christmas Day. It seems unlikely that they'd, you know, mistakenly see North Korean missiles get fired up into the air and then into the Japanese sea, but Christmas never know. fireworks. <laughs> I don't, well, they clearly don't celebrate Christmas in North Korea, do they? But it's the biggest event in there. Two enemies, uh, two rival countries with America and South Korea both being crazy over Christmas. But actually on the, on December the 5th, when uh, Kim Jong-un said that America was going to get a special Christmas gift, he actually posed for photographs on horseback touring Mount Peak 2, which is an active volcano that sits on the country's border with China. And uh, this might not mean much, but this photo is actually rife with symbolism. This is firstly where his ancestors fought off advancing Japanese and US troops over the years. But what if the symbolism was even deeper than this, and the active volcano that bordered China symbolised something big was about to erupt out of China and North Korea? Ooh, very symbolic. Also taking a leaf out of Putin's book, posing on horseback. <laughs> yeah, I thought of that as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming... Toffler. Yeah, I'm assu- <laughs> oh, that would be a sight if he did it <laughs> I'm assuming Putin did it much earlier, because that photo's been around for ages. But I think, you know, there's some famous North Korean art where, you know, the leaders are riding horseback as well. So maybe Putin did actually copy the Kims. So was this Christmas gift he threatened to be a virus that would cripple the US economy and leave millions dead? Whilst their allies, China, strengthened and bolstered, shifting the world power to the east and to a country that aligns with the North Korean views. I think it's a good question. Uh, North Korea, as we know, spent years building a nuclear arsenal, which we touched on in uh, other podcasts. Um, But yet they knew if they ever used this nuclear arsenal, they would almost certainly be wiped off the face of the earth by the much larger nuclear arsenal the Americans had at their disposal. But what if they were somehow to release and cover up a virus into the world that no one would expect was them, so they could get away with it, but also strengthen themselves? 
Much like Callum's runs in football, the missiles spotted by the Japanese coming from North Korea could have just been decoys <laughs> aimed at making people think this was the Christmas gift they threatened. Obviously, this didn't really work as uh, even though the Japanese saw the missiles, they actually retracted the statement seeing they saw the missiles. So it's a bit of a weird one. But obviously, um, in terms of this virus, we've mentioned the idea of biological warfare. But in terms of the world history, the idea of biological warfare definitely isn't new. The Germans were very capable of creating lab-made viruses in both the First and Second World War, and although supposedly never used them, the Spanish flu did coincidentally coincide with the end of the First World War. And likewise, the Russians and Americans mastered it in the Cold War, but again, supposedly never released anything. North Korea were to throw money at it. There's probably no doubt they can manufacture a virus and also a vaccine. Uh, the scientists might not have the best reputation, but arguably manufacturing a virus is actually quite a bit easier than manufacturing nukes, which the scientists obviously managed. Just to chuck a few microbes into a Petri dish and just let it go to work. <laughs> exactly. It can't, can't be that hard, you know. You know, knowing they could never realistically win a war versus America with nuclear power, this could be their best tactic, secretly destroying their enemy. So obviously cases started in Wuhan in uh, November 2019. But, you know, this could just have been a test to see how it would spread with a vaccine actually readily available for their Chinese allies. Yeah, I was going to say, testing on your closest allies. <laughs> you got to be secretive, haven't you? So... A few Chinese lives makes it seem like, uh, you know, they definitely wouldn't have set it up if um, the allies get it first. But, you know, you people obviously question how, how quickly Wuhan and China managed to deal with the virus. So did they actually have a vaccine available given to them by Kim? That would be scenes if a North Korean scientist wants to make the virus and made the vaccine. Would you trust the Korean vaccine? <laughs> No, I don't think the Chinese would, would they? I think this is where it falls down. If, if Kim Jong-un came to them, you know what, mate, we've got this um, virus, we're going to release it in China first and then we're going to give you a vaccine they're like no we're not trusting you (laughs) but yeah so obviously we all know the disease only really started to spread and come to fruition and be reported at the end of December in Wuhan which is obviously right after Christmas so oddly enough around the same time an unusually high number of North Koreans left the country for tourism you know personally I didn't realise that North Koreans were allowed to leave the country for tourism to go to the western world but they can they just need special permission which is rarely granted. Are they all off to Wigan by any chance? I believe they were all <laughs> off to Wigan actually, yeah. Explains why Manchester got it so badly. <laughs> <laughs> So obviously, um, with, like the only way to get out of North Korea is to go to China first. A large number of these tourists went to China um, before then going on world tours, visiting many major countries in the process. Could these have really have been North Korean agents injected with the virus spreading it to the capital as well? <laughs> Original super spreaders. Potentially. I, I mean, it's, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Like um, tourism out of North Korea going up at this specific time, you know. It's, it's definitely yeah, an unusual spike, I say. And yeah, we've mentioned about them wanting to be secretive. To be effective, they really needed no one to suspect them. Because, you know, the US is like, oh my God, this has come from North Korea. They're just going to, you know, start a war. So obviously the best way to do that was to kill a bunch of, you know, their allies, the Chinese, before infecting the rest of the world. It's, it's a classic case of, you know, sacrificing 3,000 of your own to significantly weaken your enemies which it has done and this is a tactic used in almost every war uh, a bit of cannon fodder if you may and chess sacrificing a pawn <laughs> oh, to win the right, match yeah. or something Topical like that right now that so yeah on, on the whole vaccine front 
obviously, as soon as it became a really big deal, uh, all major countries scrambled to make a vaccine. Yet China stayed relatively calm. They never actually entered any serious testing. So you might know, you know, there's this phase one testing, phase two testing, phase three testing. China only ever went into phase two testing, which um, was only tested on 600 people with their vaccine, the Sinovac vaccine. Despite this, they still say their vaccine is already ready to use. Could this just be because their mates in Pyongyang have already handed them the vaccine? That's all right. So make sure you do a little bit of testing, not too much to arouse suspicion. <laughs> just, just skip the first and the third step. Just go straight into step two and that'll be enough. But I think this this is where it gets a bit more interesting. The only other country to sign up for this Chinese Sinovac vaccine is Indonesia. Now, according to a 2013 BBC World Service poll, 42% of Indonesians view North Koreans influence positively, 29% expressing a negative view. This is the second most favorable opinion of North Korea in the world after Ghana's. So expect to see the vaccine dropping in Ghana any day soon. (laughs) How random is that? I have no idea. I I actually fully like looked at this poll because it gives you a list of like all the countries and Ghana was like 90% in favour of the UK, but at the same time, like 60% in favour of North Korea. What the hell? It's like that small African village. I'm not sure whereabouts is. It's absolutely crazy for Donald Trump. I mean, yeah, you know, you always get these weird... Oh, you will. Funny enough, uh, North Korea were big on Charles and Diana, and then there's that. Um, I think in Papua New Guinea, you've got the Prince Philip Island that we. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be some mourning for them. Uh, soon. Wonder how they react when they realise he's actually coronavirus. Well, they dropped the celebrations. Well, they're they're, they're well, all they, right. they haven't caught it yet. <laughs> But yeah, moving on to 2020, there was obviously quite uh, big news coming out of North Korea with the health scare to Kim. Again, could have been to distract from them actually releasing the virus. But apart from this, they've actually gone quite under the radar in 2020, uh, especially on the whole anti-American front. As we've all know, they dominate the news stories for around a decade, in a kind of a rivalry with America. North Korea does, of course, claim that they have no COVID cases which would support the theory they released it and had the antidote ready. Whether you believe that or not, I think most people wouldn't. But what does get interesting is uh, South Korean intelligence agencies have also claimed last month that they foiled attempts by North Korean hackers to disrupt attempts to develop a COVID-19 vaccine. And that's definitely food for thought. You know, they don't want uh, a vaccine. I thought on the news, I think, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I guess what do you guys think? Is Santa Kim really the reason <laughs> we can't go out for a nice sit-down Big Mac? Sit down, Scotch egg. <laughs> oh, well, I say, first of all, top marks for doing a basic uh, a whistle-stop tour of everything we've covered this far on the podcast. It's funny that Christmas is the thing that seems to link all of these together. It's a very apt for our festive podcast. And also, it's nice to look back and see if we've covered quite a lot in a relatively young podcast. So hats off to both of us, or all three of us even. With both of us. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think, of course, the big phrase that comes to uh, mind when you talk about this was definitely correlation and causation whether it's just a set of random events that seems you can sort of weave a narrative through or it is actually exactly how you say it is in north korea they were so angered by donald trump attitude towards them they decided to release a virus test it out on their mate first just to make sure it was deadly enough sacrifice a few for <laughs> and basically watch the chaos unfold and whilst slipping completely under the radar in 2020 which is quite an apt point because you do think look thinking back when the media didn't have much to talk about, I was always banging on about fear-mongering towards North Korea. And now they've, apart from the Kim Health scare, been precious little said about them. I think there's one report about how coronavirus might actually be ravaging through the country, but you don't know what to believe with the media these days. 
I think it's really impossible to know what's happening there in regards to coronavirus. But yeah, the, the thing that I find the most interesting is, you know, he, he 100% for fact said that, you know, he's got a Christmas gift for America and they can decide whether it's going to be a good or bad gift. So, you know, he's, he's threatened that and you've got to do something. You can't not do something after saying that, otherwise it's a bit yeah. pathetic. Like the missiles firing into the sea that Japan saw and then retracted. Now, that would be the most empty threat of all time, you know. You've got a Christmas present for you. We're going to do what we've been doing for years anyway and have no <laughs> impact i do remember that story hitting the news i think or japan mentioning about north korean missile testing but if it's just firing them into the sea unless they're trying to spread coronavirus aquatically mm. in, maybe they hit a submarine <laughs> but yeah well, i wonder what the gift would have been if america had been favorable towards them maybe <laughs> go on the ps5 early yeah i'd love to see that to be fair like north korea kim jong-un just coming out like a wrapped up christmas present and handing it over to donald <laughs> Realistically, what could North Korea really offer apart from maybe being less hostile? I mean, yeah, that's exactly it. I'd assume that they're years behind in technology, so not going to have anything that America's going to want. No trade deals either. Like, you're not going to want to trade much with them. But yeah, because I said because of the comparative power of the two, everything they say is always basically empty threats, and they're not going to be able to back up or put their money where their mouth is or they fire one nuke. America yeah. has to press the button; they've got like sixty heading towards them. <laughs> I think I'm going to go into my rating. And it might be a co-conspirators podcast first because I'm going to go for back-to-back 10 out of 10s. I do think Ooh. the last podcast I gave Luke a 10. I'm going to do another 10 just because of the fact that it's topical. It recaps a lot of the big talking points of not only 2020, but our gun conspiracy world in general and everything we've touched on on the podcast. And it's all got a nice little Christmas sparkle to it. I say a sparkle. It's got like a bird, limp Brussels sprout. <laughs> through the eyes of the majority of the world unless you build gates you think everything's going to plan but that's what we talked about last episode as for believability hmm <laughs> I do think you know that um, they must know that they can never engage in a proper nuclear war with America well they must have thought you know maybe the, our only real option is biological warfare but that's a good it's a good point if they were that hell bent on causing havoc to the US and look how badly the US are handling it now Mm. I think coming from the us Brits, I mean, it's sort of pot calling kettle black, but you know, we've got to hang on to what we can, especially in this conspiracy era we live in. But if they have done it, they have pulled it off, they have managed, they've pulled off the heist or the, um, the plot of the century because no one is pointing the finger at North Korea whatsoever. They seem to have got away scot free. Yeah, everyone's blaming uh, China. It's like one of them Scooby Doo's where, you know, you pull the freaking face off the mask of Xi Jinping who's getting all lame, and it's actually Kim Jong un. <laughs> <laughs> on horseback think, as well I just think I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't those meddling co-conspirators <laughs> <laughs> if we're the ones that break the news in North Korea like, behind the vaccine <laughs> behind the virus as well but it's, it's interesting thinking because it's the biggest also misdirection ever with managing to pin the blame on China because you actually tested it out on a few of the unsuspecting Wuhan residents and managed to somehow link it to a guy eating bat soup or whatever it was <laughs> They picked the players what a silly bio smart. They did think it through about well, Wuhan Institute of Virology being having yeah. done lots of research into coronaviruses. I mean, I think, yeah, just because of that alone, no one ever really thought to point the finger elsewhere. Which is surprising because you thought if there's like some major event like this, like people would instantly think of North Korea in some way or another. It shows how we've underestimated their scientific capabilities. Exactly. But see, it does seem a bit more like just a collection of coincidences events. Remember we had the um the theory that America actually was behind the coronavirus 
or yeah. unwittingly spread it. China in military games. Games, yeah. So it seems like they're pointing the finger at everyone, but just but not North Korea. So I might put my believability up one just could be pretty sneaky of them. But overall believability, I'm going to go for a, I'll go for a three point five out of ten. I'll be a little bit generous. Fair enough. Yeah. What about you, John? I think the overall theory is brilliant. As we've we've said, they've kind of gone under the radar, not just with coronavirus, but with everything. So. This would be the ultimate way to get the headlines back. Came out with Kim Jong-un admitted to creating coronavirus. <laughs> if he admitted, it wouldn't even be mad. If he admitted, it's not fair just play, man. Instantly killed. <laughs> sure. Just, just the attention. We're going to war. Like, me and you are getting drafted into that. <laughs> I'd happily go to the uh, shutting down the pub. Just applaud him. <laughs> I'd take his head back to the local pub. <laughs> but yeah, so I think the overall theory, and obviously tying in Trump as well, saying it's, it's Trump's Christmas present. Normally, Christmas presents you, you stop playing with them by Boxing Day but they just stick around a bit <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I think it's a really good theory I'm going to go for a, a nine and a half out of ten in terms of believability it's got to be a bit lower I think as we said none of us are, are really scientists we don't really know how easy it is create a virus like this so yeah North Korea got the capability of doing this maybe I'm not really sure um, so it's quite hard to gauge the believability on on the front of whether they physically could do it I think in terms of whether they would it's such a big risk and like we say China got affected really badly in the early days so to intentionally or unintentionally have such an effect on their biggest ally would, was always a risk and a bit of a weird way of doing it but it has worked in the long run if it's true but um yeah, believability, I'm going to have to go quite low, I'm afraid, with a 2 out of 10. It's on the topic of China, they're basically back to normal now, aren't they? Yeah, pretty much totally back to normal. Yeah, I had a look earlier, I think they had like 12 cases. Yeah, I think they've also got like one of the lowest amount of, you know, cases and deaths per capita in the whole world. Because obviously, like, mm. they have, what, like 4,000 deaths, but they've got like, what, 1.5 billion people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, I found this uh, news article about Kim Jong-un threatening with a Christmas gift and I just found it really interesting and then doing a bit more research, you know. It's got more and more interesting, so I, I really enjoyed it. And for that reason, I'll give it a, a 9 out of 10. I love North Korean conspiracies because you just never know what's true and it's also modern. It's, it's just weird as hell. I think that a country like this can still exist like today when, you know, the whole entire rest of the world is almost incredibly transparent and this whole country we know nothing about in terms of believability yeah it's, it's not going to score very highly one thing i will say is like i mentioned earlier you know they've built this nuclear arsenal and they know they can't use it without getting wiped to the face of the earth so if they really are hell-bent on destroying america which we're basically told by america they are hell-bent on destroying america they'd want to do it secretly and you know this would be one way of doing it and i mean a lot of people do believe that china's done this to wipe out america so you know why not north korea but Obviously, China's got a bit of a better scientific background. You know, the country's so crazy, you can never rule anything out. So I'm going to go for a... I'm going to go for a 4 out of 10. And, you know, if we see this vaccine in Ghana, I might up it to a 10 out of 10. <laughs> right? That was your conspiracy on Santa Kim. Now it's time for Santa Callum to give you a treat of a conspiracy. Oh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> we all know the 21st December is the winter solstice, the day of the year with the least amount of daylight and longest night. Scientifically speaking, this is the result of the Earth's North Pole reaching its furthest point from the Sun as it rotates about its axis. Aside from being the shortest day of the year, the winter solstice is a day of significance in many cultures and religions, thought to signify the death and rebirth of the Sun, and has inspired many rituals and celebrations dating back as far as recorded history goes. Astronomy fans are no doubt aware of the astrological phenomenon set to take place this upcoming solstice, just a few days away at the time of recording. 
for the unaware, I think, namely John and Luke, because we were discussed this earlier, they didn't have a clue what I was on about. The 21st December will host a conjunction of the planets Saturn and Jupiter, whose orbits will align in such a way that they appear to form a quote-unquote double planet. I think it's a scientific term, it was on the articles as I read, that will shine much brighter than other celestial bodies. Normally, planetary conjunctions are fairly commonplace in astrology, because in this instance, Jupiter orbits the Sun in a speedy 12 years compared to Saturn's pedestrian 30. So uh, if you do the maths, a conjunction between the two planets will occur every 20 years, there or thereabouts as Jupiter effectively laps its neighbouring planets. So why is this particular conjunction so special? Well, this occurrence will be the closest the two planets have gotten since the medieval times of 1226. The planets will appear to be just 0.1 degrees apart, less than the diameter of a full moon, despite realistically being hundreds of millions of miles apart in the vast emptiness of space. But from our position on Earth, looking up at the stars, they will be incredibly close, appearing to form such a double planet. Just for those interested in watching, NASA say that the Great Conjunction will be shining brightly shortly after sunset, low in the southwestern sky, as viewed from the northern hemisphere. Jupiter currently appears brighter than any star in the sky, and Saturn, while slightly dimmer, is still just as bright as the brightest stars, but is identified by being a continuous brightness rather than blinking as normal stars do. So, of course, this is a little bit of context, and it might seem very unfitting for a conspiracy theory podcast, even one about festive conspiracies. So you might be wondering, how am I going to turn this into a conspiracy? Well, fear not. Listen on and all should be revealed, no doubt in a very roundabout manner, which is become typical of my offerings on the podcast. <laughs> all right, so time to introduce Project Bluebeam. Any of you heard of this conspiracy? Nope. Well, prepare to be enlightened. It's a bit of a heavy one. <laughs> so you might remember Project Blue Book from our UFO conspiracies. This isn't even a conspiracy theory. It's an actual US Air Force program designed about the study of UFOs that ran through the 50s and 60s, tasked with identifying and assessing whether UFOs posed a genuine threat to the world, essentially. This was in peak Cold War times, peak fear-mongering, etc., etc. So Project Bluebeam takes some of the elements of this study, combines it with classic conspiracy tropes, and throws a festive cherry on the top for good measure. Project Bluebeam was first published, and it's one of the um, rare occurrences, I think, we've actually done a genuine proper conspiracy by a, a conspiracy theorist, actually taking a look at someone who claims to be a conspiracy theorist, like someone like David Icke or Alex Jones. This is a direct look of some of his works. It's quite interesting. So it was first published by science fiction author and renowned theorist Serge Monast. Not sure you've heard of him. Serge Monast, no. yeah. Glad to hear Very it. Very famous in Latin-speaking conspiracy world. Serge Monast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rather unfortunate we say it like that, but it's, it's Serge, S-E-I-G-E, Monast. I think he's a French guy. Serge Monast. <laughs> 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 I think that's where you find all the answers. He's talking out of his ass. <laughs> but not to disrespect his good name in the conspiracy world too much. But he's been associated with various commentaries on the dangers of a world government or new world order, as well as the Freemasons and other nefarious groups. So peak Illuminati business. So Project Bluebeam alleges that NASA, with help from the United Nations, is planning on implementing a new age religion with the Antichrist at its helm. This would usher in a new world order by a technologically simulated second coming of Christ. According to Monast's original 1994 publication, Project Bluebeam would be the culmination of a four-stage process similar to our secondary school's detention process, in title only. Stage one, okay, was, that, was that a break time suspension? Often a lot of five minute, yeah, catcher. Got to hand in the homework you didn't do. <laughs> so stage one details the process of breaking down all archaeological knowledge. Earthquakes would be artificially triggered at precise locations across the globe, 
which is supposed to reveal new discoveries that will finally explain the error of fundamental religious doctrines. Psychological preparations for that first have already been implemented with the films 2001 A Space Odyssey, the Star Trek series, and Star Wars, all of which deal with invasions from space and the coming together of all nations to repel the invaders. Another film, Jurassic Park, also included in this conspiracy, claims to be dealt with the theories of evolution and claims that God's words are lies. So helping to dissuade those from following these old religions. The second stage involves a gigantic quote-unquote space show with three-dimensional optical holograms and sounds, laser projection of multiple holographic images to different parts of the world, each receiving a different image according to the predominating regional national religious faith. What sort of light show? The light show up in the sky, the lasers and all sorts. It gets even better. It's basically tailored to your religion of choice. Oh, lovely. (laughs) What a treat. So this quote-unquote new God's voice will be speaking in all languages, meaning no one's excluded, very inclusive environment. I think they shouldn't tailor it to your country's religion. I think they should mix it up. So like, for example, in the UK, where obviously main religion is Christianity, they should just have Buddha in the sky. And everyone's like, fuck's sake, we don't get a lot the NASA agents quickly typing out lines of code to try and sort <laughs> the light show out. Cancel it, we'll wait to the next uh, solstice. What, 800 years? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently this is going to be achieved using top secret technology that can understand and manipulate physio-psychological responses based upon extensive studies of the anatomy and electromechanical composition of the human body. The thing with this though is like, surely they've had to test this. Like, surely they're not going to be like, oh yeah, we're going to do this, like, this crazy light show. And, you know, they must have tested it in the sky at some point, unless they've just done it over like an unpopulated area. That's interesting because there have been some reports on conspiracy forums here. They're seeing anomalies in the sky, strange lights, maybe attributed yeah. to UFO. The Aurora Borealis uh, is when they, the code broke and it's just been stuck up there ever since. <laughs> yeah. It's a perpetual loop. <laughs> I think that is actually quite similar to what it will look like, the yeah. Northern Light. Um, from my imagination but there's also an instance where apparently a giant city was beamed over China in the sky so I'm not sure how truthful that was but Jeez. that would certainly raise some conspiracy eyebrows with regards to this theory well not raise a few eyebrows well, I saw a friggin London in the night sky <laughs> <laughs> more than my eyebrows right <laughs> Yeah, so basically the studies it's these secretive agents have been apparently testing have allowed them to manipulate the chemical and biological properties of the human brain, which has the capability to allocate electronic wavelengths for every person and every society and culture that can induce suicidal thoughts if the person doesn't comply with the dictates of the New World Order. So this was theory was first postulated in the 1990s before the invention of deep fake and other AI technologies. This step could be implemented using sort of technologies we have to hand and also the assistance of natural phenomena like the aurora borealis so we, we also we have no idea what sort of blacklist technology experimental new world order projects have at their hands you think think back to the alien tech that nasa supposedly harvested from area 51 some people would say they managed to get it up and running we, we may never know i can just imagine like, all the ufos that crashed on earth were just carrying these uh, ready to go line shows <laughs> yeah. you, you got you got your keys your wallet and your light show and your ufo <laughs> <laughs> never leave house without my light show because it's <laughs> this big corporate entity that's spanning the universe they're all salesmen trying to pitch the light show <laughs> <laughs> new generation of entertainment 
Testament, there's actually the second coming of the Antichrist. So then, the third stage is, quote-unquote, telepathic electronic two-way communication, and suggests that satellite technology would direct artificial thoughts into the multigenic field, achieving the mind control of the entire planet. Individuals only resistance would be constantly questioning the motivation behind their thoughts, and not acting upon thoughts which they consider to be outside their own ideological, religious and moral boundaries. So basically not challenging the status quo. Again, though, we've seen it, how politics, social media, advertising and celebrity culture can influence people's thought patterns, especially in the light of the coronavirus pandemic, you know, this age of public shaming and also just constant surveillance, everything being caught on camera. So we know that humans are very social creatures, can often succumb to peer pressure and a desire to conform to societal norms. And as Luke discussed last episode, CIA projects like MKUltra have experimented with mind control techniques, and who knows what other projects are hiding within the classified files. So finally, stage four, the big one, the after-school detention for an extended duration of time. <laughs> I think you'd rather an after-school detention... And what's contained in stage four, that's for sure. So this can, well, fans of universal supernatural manifestations may disagree. So it contains three different orientations. One is to make mankind believe that an alien invasion is about to occur at every major city on Earth, provoking each major nation to use its nuclear weapons in order to strike back. This way, the United Nations Court will require that all those nations which launch nuclear weapons disarm immediately when the invasion is shown to have been false. And how, you might ask, will the United Nations know the invasion is false? They will have staged it with conspiracy with NASA or in the aim of ushering a new world order. The second is to make the Christians believe that the rapture is going to occur with the supposed divine intervention of an alien civilization coming to rescue earthlings from a savage and merciless demon. Its goal will be to dispossess all significant opposition to the implementation of the new world order in one major stroke within hours of the beginning of the sky show. Finally, the third orientation is a mixture of electronic and supernatural forces. The waves used at the time will hijack major appliances to allow quote-unquote supernatural forces to travel through optical fibers, television cables and phone lines in order to reach the global population. We'll also have embedded chips already in place. So this will help to influence your brain into thinking that these satanic ghosts are really exist and would push populations to the edge of hysteria and madness, drowning them in a wave of suicide, murder, and permanent psychological disorders. So this event is sometimes referred to as the Night of a Thousand Stars, and we'll see worldwide populations be made ready for the new Messiah to re-establish order and peace at any cost, even at the abdication of freedom. So this Night of a Thousand Stars is where the conspiracy starts to come full circle with the context provided at the start of my theory. I'm sure we all know the story of Jesus' birthday on December the 25th. What you may not be aware of is the speculation surrounding the exact date of Christ's birth with some claiming dates as late as August of September. Naturally, you think it's so long ago, you might get a bit muddled, especially with unfinished records and trying to decipher text written on stone slabs. Is it even the same calendar, I guess? I mean, he was alive at the same time as the Romans, and they, I mean, I'm assuming like October was originally like the eighth month rather than the tenth month. So Funny you should mention that. I was just about to come on to that. <laughs> so, excellent powers of deduction there. Part of this confusion may in fact be due to the transition from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar, system widely used in today's climate. To cut a long story short, it's quite complicated, but the Julian calendar that began with the vernal equinox was set at March 25th. So that would be basically New Year, I think. Mm -hmm. Jesus' conception has always been believed to have been at the start of the year, which would mean that his birth would have been on December 25th of the Julian calendar, so nine months later. In Julian times, this is also the winter solstice. I'm not sure how they worked that one out, but 
That's what I read. But the eventual transition to the Gregorian calendar, when you take into account leap years, etc., divisible by four, yeah, you know, the winter solstice actually fell on the 21st of December, while Christmas Day held its place on the 25th. So almost you know, cleared up, sort of cleared up that calendar. All you need to know is that Jesus' his birthday is still December 25th and solstice on the 21st, which coincides with the upcoming planetary conjunction. But on that fateful night, wherever it may have been, one aspect of the original Christmas story was a journey embarked upon by the wise men. Any, any ideas where this might be going? Uh, the, wait, say again. So we're talking about the wise men. Like what's the, what, what compelled the wise men to enter the Christmas Big story? The star, uh, North Star. Yes, that's right. So these wise men were just that, very wise, possessing knowledge of mathematics and astronomy, amongst other things. These knowledgeable fellows were believed to have noticed an incredibly bright, shining star in the night sky. Upon noticing such an astronomical anomaly, the only logical decision would be to follow the star and see what mystery it beheld. In this case, the smart blokes believed that such a star bore witness to the birth of a great king. Lo and behold, following the star at the town of Bethlehem, they came across the baby Jesus, whom they hailed as King of the Jews. Now, it was clear that this was no ordinary star, so what could have caused this phenomenon? Surely not another superconjunction, right? <laughs> well, believe it or not, both medieval and modern astrologists seeking answers about the planetary conjunctions and the fabled star of Bethlehem have calculated that another conjunction of the planets occurred around 6 BC. This time was an even bigger event. It was a triple conjunction of Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars, making it even rarer. Oh, baby, a triple. <laughs> yeah, not that triple kill. <laughs> Adding further weight to the potential symbolism is the assertion that the transition from BC to AD timelines did not directly coincide with Jesus' birth, as one would assume when you um, translate that BC is before Christ and AD is Anno Domini or year of the Lord's birth. Many scholars now accept that Jesus most likely born between 4 and 6 BC. So maybe the earliest recorded example of a grand conjunction of planets really did cause the star of Bethlehem. Regardless, we know that the powers that be are suckers for symbolism and ritual. So what better time to stage the second coming of Christ than to coincide with another incredibly rare conjunction of planets? especially since bright lights are at the centre of their plans. After all, NASA informed the world about the upcoming superconjunction and were named by Serge Monast as the prime co-conspirators involved in Project Bluebeam. Perhaps this is a ploy to direct as many eyes as possible to the sky on this particular solstice to ensure maximum exposure to the second coming of Christ and manipulating masses of people into blindly ushering in a new world order. That the conjunction falls on the solstice with its paganistic connotations just adds further credibility to the New World Order and Illuminati appeal. After all, it was President Ronald Reagan who delivered an address to the United Nations, suggesting that the countries of the world could come together when facing a common enemy. That common enemy, of course, was referring to an alien invasion. He said, this is a quote, Perhaps we need some outside universal threat to make us recognise this common bond. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Was this 1987 speech a Freudian slip of the tongue, hinting at the plans to usher in a new world order, right around the time Monast first introduced his Project Bluebeam theory? After all, before becoming president, Reagan was a Hollywood actor. We all know how deeply intertwined Hollywood is with the deep state and the Illuminati. And Hollywood loves Christmas movies, so go figure. Before I throw this one over to my co-host, I'll just say that at the time of recording, the event hasn't yet taken place. The 
depending on the editing turnaround, we could be looking at a very different world post-Project Bluebeam, assuming this theory is 100% true and comes to fruition exactly as described. Maybe conspiracy podcasts will be outlawed in this new world order for daring to challenge the status quo. Only time will tell. So what do you guys think? Quite a lot to unpack there. I mean, yeah, it's absolutely crazy, but I was just looking at the weather now and it uh, seems here in the UK it's going to be a bit rainy on a Monday, so I'm not sure we're actually going to get a chance to see the um, conjunction, which is annoying if it only happens uh, in this uh, fashion once every 800 years. It's typical that we're going to miss it, but if any of our, if any of our worldwide listeners uh, have a non-cloudy day or non-cloudy night, uh, enjoy that. It also, it also begs the question, what term effect will this water have on the mass amounts of electronics and lasers and stuff they're trying to I'm looking, yeah, I'm looking forward to like, uh, us whipping out our nuclear submarines. So it's about time they finally got some use. Although the UN's quickly going to sanction us. I'm sure they're itching to you know, finally give Project Trident the green light to fire. Yeah, I think overall, I'll start my score now. I, I think it's, it's a really interesting theory. I feel like, you know, it's just so fascinating when you just have coincidences like this. Like, you know, the, these uh, two planets are aligning, huge bright light in the sky, just like it was when uh, Jesus was supposedly born. You know, if, if I do see it, I might walk out and follow it and see how far I get. Probably end up in the uh, English <laughs> Channel, but you know. But if it's Jesus, you might, might be able to give you the power to walk on water. <laughs> So. You never know. <laughs> How would you know when to stop when you're following a star? I, I don't know. I, don't I think know. obviously back in those days, I mean, the stuff I mean, by yeah. the star constellations, but it's a, a large margin for error. It could end up in the wrong tower. Well, you can literally know. just follow a star and then like two minutes into your journey, you just end up in a pub because you walked into a pub door. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, is this it? Oh, fair enough. In all the depictions, I mean, this is going back to Bibles designed for childhood. The star was literally beaming down light onto the stable. So I'm not sure it was that um, precise. But again, it, it was so long ago. Maybe just directed them to Bethlehem. They asked a few people for directions. Has anyone been born recently? Anyone holy? Anyone who'd accept these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Of course, we've got points to the first stable, and the rest is history. Yeah, I, I do think it's, it's quite cool that it's falling on the winter solstice. That's really interesting. And I mean, either a big coincidence or, you know, it's what their plan is. But yeah, I feel like if, if any event ever fell on the winter solstice, you're going to get conspiracies like this come out of it. But overall, you know, it, it ties in a lot of stuff it ties in christmas it ties in paganism it ties up planets um and you know the whole illuminati new world order like the world's going to change even though it already changed a lot this year so going to change again uh, i'm going to score it a, a nine out of ten oh, very good in terms of believability I, I guess in some respects it's like i probably wouldn't score the idea of the new world order planning on taking over the world in my lifetime very highly at all so I, I don't think that alone would even get a 4 out of 10 but the fact that they're going to be planning it on on Monday you know it's probably going to score if they were to pick a date they would you know win the solstice Jupiter and Saturn aligning why not pick that day especially when potentially be the same point in time that uh, the shepherds followed the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction or whatever to Jupiter-Saturn Mars conjunction to uh, Jesus so it's it's fitting and it's very it would be very symbolistic I, I guess uh, I can bite my words here but I'm going to score it a 2 out of 10 we'll see come Monday see what happens <laughs> yeah so this is an ominous one maybe you should have recorded this a little bit earlier to give people some more warning what about you John? Yeah, I think it's probably one of the most complex theories we've ever had on this podcast. Uh, there's just so much to it, as Luke kind of pointed out. Even modelling it on secondary school detention, so I got a lot of time for that. Um, Spent a lot of time in detention, see, did you? No, not really. Not as much as you. <laughs> That's true. 
<laughs> Did Rose get to the elusive stage four? Uh, I think also the fact that it, you know, supposedly going to happen on Monday. I think it's, it's it makes it even more evil because Mondays are bad enough as it is. <laughs> uh, and then to, to be ushering in the new world order and having all this go on on a Monday, it's just. Oh. Sickens me. Just go for a Friday when yeah. everyone's off. They'll be a bit more willing to accept it. Nah, they got they got. <laughs> exactly. If, if Saturn and Jupiter are aligning on Tuesday, the twenty first of December, they'd have waited another like thousand years until it aligns on a Monday. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it's to increase maximum acceptance. So people think I really don't want to go to my job. I really hope that the Antichrist comes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think overall theory score is going to get an eight and a half out of me i uh, really enjoyed that one i think believability is tough you got to take a lot of stuff at face value not least just religion in general so yeah it's difficult there's so many things to tie in i'm not i'm going to struggle to score it very high uh, well i do i do think if you were going to try and promote this new world order you would like a common enemy i think that i think it is a good point and it would be the way they would choose to do it should it ever happen so I'll bump it up a bit for that. But I think I'm going to have to still go with a quite low 2 out of 10. Oh, that's, that's fair enough, yeah. So just almost too much coincidence, I think. So, so many events having to all align perfectly along with two gigantic planets. <laughs> but yeah, one thing I will add... I didn't include it in the theory because I think it was that relevant, but something that was mentioned was apparently one of the triggers for this would be a mass economic collapse, which would allow the transition from paper money to a new currency, basically meaning people would be even more dependent on the state for their money. And you think with the global economic climate as it is thanks to coronavirus, that could be another catalyst. And you know, I think now we're all going to contactless payments, avoid touching ATMs and stuff, you know, just food for thought. True. But then again, they also require this all being microchips. They haven't exactly rolled out the vaccine. Actually, they have rolled it out incredibly fast, but it's not going to get to the majority of the healthy populations unless they're trying to be elitist. And you think all the old people that are in politics are going to try and create a massive super old oldies. <laughs> super army of the elderly and disabled. <laughs> and the compromise are just clinging desperately onto power. <laughs> But yeah, I think I really enjoyed researching this one. When I first saw it, I think, yeah, I could be able to get a short theory out of it, but it just kept growing and growing as I did more research and added a few of my own observations in along with the whole Jesus element and the Star of Bethlehem. That was quite interesting. And it was crazy to think they were able to plot that a celestial or a grand conjunction would have occurred 2,000 plus years ago, let alone observing one in medieval times in 1226. And I think that we might be able to witness one as albeit for a drizzly British night that might ruin the spectacle, let alone the light show. It's fascinating. We'll be looking up to the sky if I get off work in time. <laughs> be pretty peak if I missed it. I'm hoping to be stepping out the doors and just seeing Jesus walking down, <laughs> aliens and UFOs, just everything going to complete chaos. That'll be what a way to end my Monday. <laughs> And I think for that reason, just all the things it ties in, you've got religion, you've got New World Order, which was a very hot conspiracy topic, astronomy, Christmas as well, you think, and the real meaning of Christmas, not the commercialised version. I'm going to give it, and blow my own trumpet, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. So I think as I'm following the trend with you guys, even though this is my theory that I created, so I'm doing a, a deep dive in the scores from the conspiracy theory overall to the believability. And yes, yeah, so I can point at certain elements. We haven't actually been seeing many earthquakes recently, which is supposed to be the big precursor to this one to basically cast doubt on all world religions. So I think that's one stumbling block that you can't really get to point if it's going to follow this exact course of events. We have had the monoliths, I guess. That could be some sort of 
alien religion trying to tease people in this new direction of of course there's gonna be art installations and that's stupid like that <laughs> okay again it's always it's always coincidences here they it's in, interesting to actually plot the points you do have to remember this guy was a writer so he's got a good way with words has mr monas he's got an incredible imagination incredible there several well. <laughs> but as several commentators and other theorists have noticed it bears a very similar resemblance to an episode of star trek so i'm not sure if it's just scientific talking here or there's a star trek episode from the 70s We've just seen that. I think, yeah, we can make a brilliant conspiracy theory out of this that fool the masses. And, but there are still there is a lot of New World Order symbolism out there. And I think with the way the world's going, with much more control over people's livelihoods and coronavirus pandemic arguably bringing the world into a greater state of collaboration. If you disbelieve Luke's theory that it was all started by North Korea and China, well, as we've seen um, countries trying to collaborate to create vaccines, distribute, etc., etc. Could be. Is that a precursor for a New World Order? Or is it just people generally trying to help each other out? Why, why do you think they um, kept Roswell so secretive? It's because uh, it was actually Kim Jong-un and he's the only, he's the only one to ever escape at 51. That's why he's so secretive. He wants to wipe him off the face of the earth. Hold up in North Korea with a load of alien technology. It's the only place safe enough for people not to be able to yeah. find him. They're not actually building news, they're just building light shows. <laughs> Now that would be a turn up if that was the case. Unfortunately, as, as believable as that sounds, my score is going to have to probably follow suit with yours. I might go, I'll go slightly higher because, you know, because my theory and I want to. <laughs> there are certain elements in there that could contain a degree of truth, like manipulating the masses, blindly accepting what's coming, what the powers would be want. So I'm going to go for a three out of ten. For some reason, every time I picture a light show, all I can think of is like being in a nightclub and having a rape. And that's what I'm just picturing on the Monday. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm picturing as well. I have to imagine UFOs and Antichrist and satanic ghosts yeah, hopefully, or whatever they want. Hopefully if they're yeah. um, tailoring it to everyone's religion, they're also going to tailor some tunes to everyone's country. <laughs> Will, Will, Will Cooks on Fire is going to come on in the UK and everyone's going to go mental. If that comes on, I'll be, be accepting the New World Order to open arm. <laughs> That's how you unite a nation. <laughs> So um, regular listeners of the show will by now be very familiar with how we like to end this podcast, and that is with our fan favourite game, Conspiracy, a special festive edition this week. Wee. I say a special edition, it's not quite the change of format we've experimented with in the past, it's just the usual conspiracy, but Christmas themed. Sounds good to me. Glad to hear it. So are you ready to hear the three conspiracies? Yeah, before we get into that, I'll just explain for any new listeners essentially this game is where the host me finds three conspiracy theories related to the topic two of which are genuine conspiracy theories have been posted online someone either believes them or has at least put enough thought into them to conjure up a conspiracy theory to try and mislead others and one the host has made it themselves and it's my co-host job to identify the false conspiracy known as the conspiracy so jumping in then number one the christmas film it's a wonderful life was investigated by the FBI for supposed communist tendencies. Number two, NASA used the codename Santa Claus for three UFOs spotted during the lunar landings. And number three, the FBI employs tech giants Amazon and Google to spearhead Operation Santa Claus, centering around the mass rollout of smart speakers to homes across the US and then the world. Good news for you is after those first three, I have absolutely no idea. Well, I guess you'll be wanting to hear a little bit more then. Please. Any in particular? So just go back through an order. Orders. Good. Order would be nice. Bit of order. 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 Will the right honourable gentleman please present the <laughs> details of the conspiracy? An FBI program aimed at detecting and neutralising communist influences in Hollywood decided that the film "It's a Wonderful Life" employed communist propaganda tricks, namely the 
quote-unquote, smearing of values and institutions thought to be particularly American and the glorification of anti-American or pro-communist values. So I'm sure you must know the story of um, It's a Wonderful Life. I'm sure you'd be very surprised if you haven't seen it. I've never seen it. You're taking the mickey. I've never seen it, (laughs) <laughs> old, it, isn't it? It's oh, it's on every Christmas. It's the 50s. Yeah, there's some absolute modern day classics like um, I can't even think of the crew. Busy watching Home Alone 8. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Highly recommend it. It's a very emotional film, very heartwarming. Do you want a plot summary or do you have at least enough of an idea of. I genuinely have no idea about anything that goes you on. You know what it's film. about? I mean, it's about Christmas, I know that. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the theme of the podcast, I hope so. <laughs> that is a shamble. Basically, the protagonist, George Bailey, is a down-on-his-luck banker. He's struggling to provide for a family, and his job's under threat when a much larger business comes to try and take over his community bank. This leads him to contemplate suicide, which is quite dark for a Christmas role. But he's visited by a guardian angel who shows him what the world would be like with, if he does commit suicide or he'd never been born, and how much better the world is with him still alive. Right. So I've just looked um, online just to see uh, what his ratings are. So I've typed in It's a Wonderful Life, and the first thing that comes up on my Google is it's showing tomorrow in Odeon, Milton Keynes. So there you go. Oh. <laughs> I think it's, it, it's got a link to the Illuminati for sure. <laughs> well, maybe the FBI are accidentally exposing some of their own plans <laughs> if we there believe this theory. So the evidence for these so-called communist tendencies is the struggle between misanthropic banking manager Mr. Potter, he's the antagonist, and our protagonist George Bailey, seen as an attack on capitalism, given the way that Henry Potter's aggressive business plans were depicted compared to Mr. Bailey's small community bank. As for supporting anti-American values, Bailey's descent into depression was characterised as a subtle attempt to magnify the problems of the so-called common man in society, which may then see him buying into communism and everything being equal. We all know how well communism works. So, number two, this is the NASA UFOs and codenamed Santa Claus. A former NASA employee claims that they walked into a restricted area where they developed the film for the moon landings and saw what she believed were UFOs in the pictures. She says they were codenamed um, Santa Claus because there's three of them. Don't know why particularly be Santa Claus for three, but that's what she says, the employee. She also um, supports her argument by saying that one of the people who was part of the quarantine team for the turning astronauts also confirms that they saw UFOs land shortly after the lunar module. NASA have also been accused of airbrushing thousands of photos that contain quote-unquote anomalies before they are released to the public and she's extrapolated this to mean anomalies being both UFOs and remember our moon episode that the glass bases and structures on the dark side of the moon mm-hmm. yeah they're supposedly in the photos as well so maybe santa claus has a secret base on the moon <laughs> and number three so this is the fbi colluding with amazon and google for operation santa claus and their mass rollout of smart speakers and voice recognition technology so both the amazon echo and the google home launched in the novembers of 2014 and 2016 respectively to coincide with the christmas shopping rush especially back friday and cyber monday as shopping habits trended towards online retailers, coupled with the popularity of voice recognition software, this is the perfect recipe for the FBI to gain access to the conversations of millions of Americans, while serving to line the pockets of global monopolies and their possible ties to deep state forces, as we discussed in our previous episodes about the Illuminati. So, any thoughts? Has that cleared things up, made things more complicated? I've got, I've got an idea. I'm going to let John go first. Ooh, using John's uh... tactic against him. He does it every week. I'm used to it now. Yeah. I remember the last time I went last. I can go first if you want. No? Right. Now we'll mix it up. I'll go first. All right. I, I think I do know. The tough thing with this game is like you think 
clearly it's not true but then you've got to remember it we're not judging that but I, I just think Callum's clearly enjoys the film it's a wonderful light so I think he's wanted to think of a conspiracy based off that and he's, I feel like he's slipped up a little bit because he's, he's gone and said it's the FBI and surely if it's to do with communism it'll be CIA so I think Callum's had a little slip up there and as he's enjoyed the film <laughs> I think he's, he's, he's done well to get all the detail he has out of it but to be fair I can see how it could be uh, construed as anti-communist but he, he should have said uh, the old CIA so I want to go for it. it's a wonderful life very interesting what about you John has that reinforced your beliefs or offers a new perspective no it hasn't actually I don't know I, that was actually the first one I ruled out because I felt like there was almost too much detail in it. if you've gone to those lengths to make that one up impressive and you deserve the win Ooh. by the same logic I felt I was going to go that the last one was the conspiracy, the Amazon Echo one, because I feel like we've kind of talked a bit about that before, about them spying on you and stuff. And as much as it, that almost certainly is a theory along those lines out there. I don't know whether someone will have made the link Christmas. So, yeah, I'm going to go with that one is the conspiracy. Right. Final answers then. You happy? Locking in? Yeah. Right. I can reveal that it is a win. For conspiracy, I have managed to fool one of you. And you'll be maybe surprised to know, maybe not surprised, but our winner this week, because one of you has guessed the incorrect conspiracy theory, the conspiracy, and that is John. John has correctly identified that the Operation Santa Claus was in fact a conspiracy made up by me. And he's right, we have talked about the voice recognition, smart speakers, in a um, technology episode, I believe, and it was basically around the same. You know, listening in on your conversations by the government, but it was a bit of a lucky Google. I, it came into my head. I thought, if these released around um, December time, I'm in the money. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> not because it's the most popular time to release a new piece of technology for the Christmas rush, but, you know, yeah. great for a conspiracy. And Luke's logic, well, it might seem sound, it's, it's but not. if the you look... it's not sound at all. I've just realised that the... You forget conspiracy theories aren't war. I've also just, yeah. just realised that the FBI, obviously, were huge on anti-communism, not just the CIA. <laughs> it's federal. Yeah, so it's, it's anti-communism America. within America, isn't it? Which this film was. Yeah. My bad. And look it up, and it's an actual... Apparently, the FBI agent enjoyed the film, but did notice some problematic uh, elements... <laughs> That being the depression of Mr. Bailey, thought to be inspiring communist tendencies amongst the public. It's not really the threat it used to be, I say, apart from maybe amongst your young student body, but they'll grow out of that in a few years once they get their first paycheck. <laughs> once they see the tights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so the, I enjoyed the researching those theories for con- uh, conspiracy. Another good episode there. Shedding some new light on Christmas, I think. Hopefully it doesn't sour anyone's enjoyment of one of the biggest holidays in the world. Certainly my favourite time of year. And we'll wrap things off by wishing you all a very Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and hopefully we'll bring more co-conspirators content to you in 2021. And before we go, I'll depart with the message to keep challenging the status quo, even when your granddad is lecturing you about <laughs> coronavirus over the Christmas dinner table. All right. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone.